Well, here we go. I guess if you're going to start your first show, you just you just push the button that says record and you say, let's get moving. My name is John Tadora. They call me the sports trader because I trade sports just like a lot of you out there trade stocks. Now, I want to tell you all about that throughout the course of this podcast. And I'm going to try to do two or three, four, maybe five shows a week. It really depends. Um, in the beginning, I'm going to try to stay with three. And then as the viewership or the listenership grows, hopefully I can spend more and more time doing this because this is something I enjoy doing. And to share the knowledge that I currently have, which has put me in an incredible position in my life, which has put me in a position where I currently live in Asia. Uh, I travel, well, when there's not terrible, uh, terrible pandemics around the globe, I travel around Asia as much as I want. I spend as freely as I like. I live in a penthouse condo that has a swimming pool in it. Um, my life is really, really nice. It hasn't always been nice. It's had moments when it's been wonderful, and it's had moments when it's been crap. And I'm, and I'm sure that's the same for everybody. I've taken the magical uh, financial mystery ride through life. And um, listen, there are things that, that are going on right now that, I, that are great for me. And, and it's all built off of the fact that I, I have a great income off of sports trading. But I, my life hasn't always been this way. It's been, it's, I come from a different place. Let me tell you a little bit about me. I figured if I'm going to do a first episode, the first episode should be about me so you understand the show that you're watching and understand the person that you're listening to. I'm, I'm close to 50. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm, I'm in my late 40s. Um, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Two wonderful parents. Couldn't say, couldn't say a, a bad word about them. I mean, I, I could, but, you know, who would want to hear that? Uh <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't say anything bad about him. I was I was blessed to be filled with love. I, I understand the uh, I understand the difference between love and everything else. Real love, someone really, really caring about you. I was very lucky to have that in my life. Um, it's a huge difference compared to what I have and what I could tell people I've had compared to what I see a lot of other people when I ask them about their childhoods. I'm blessed. We were not rich people. That is a, the 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 furthest away from where we were actually. We were actually very, very uh, lower middle class, if I'm being honest. My father had a heart attack when I was very young, and he was very young actually. I believe he was 29 when he had his first heart attack, and uh, it's a massive heart attack. University of Pittsburgh had just learned how to do uh, bypass surgery, and they used my father as one of their guinea pigs, so they were looking for you know live uh, specimens to work on. So they, they actually cracked my father's chest open with a sledgehammer, and he spent uh, almost six months in the hospital recovering from the, that surgery. And, uh, and he could never work again, or at least that's what they told him. You know, they, they say he'd have to come back in two years, three years. They, you know, this is, this is, you know, you see the things going on in the medical world right now with the, with the virus and people not understanding what's happening and people being upset because they don't have answers today. The reality of it is, and I learned this at, at a young age, and it was something that was ingrained in me as life went on because... We kept waiting for my dad to die. Like, he, he was only supposed to live four more years, maybe five more years. That was, this is all they could do for him. And, it, and that bypass surgery they did for him lasted him almost 30 years. And then he, he finally passed because he was only because he was too stubborn to go back in and do it again. Um, but, you know, medical science is a constant practice, they are constantly changing and moving things around and, and finding out new things and finding new data and finding new analytics and back testing everything to go back 10 years and to see what happens. 
it's important to 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 understand that 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 back testing and is so in, is so integral in what they're doing, you know, it, because I like to take that lesson and move it into what I do, which is kind of I, I, I you know when we we trade sports, we just trade data. That's all we're doing. So I'm not I'm not necessarily investing in the New England Patriots or the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm investing strictly in data. I look at the numbers. I I, I back test these numbers over the course of a period of time. And in doing so, I'm always able to find these patterns that I can invest in. So th- th- my mind thinks that way because of everything that I've been around. But anyway, so I grew up in south side of Pittsburgh. About 19 years old, I move away. I decide I'm going to move down to South Florida. I need to get reconstructive knee surgery. A friend of mine knows a doctor there who's actually the doctor for the Miami Heat at the time. Great doctor, great guy. He reconstructs my knee. My knee at the time has, has your knees are built with three ligaments that actually hold them together along with a bunch of muscle tissue and things like that. And I had torn two and a half of them. So I was barely walking around. I had to have reconstructive knee surgery. I get the surgery. I'm in Florida. I don't know anybody. I, I got like two friends there that I've made, you know, the weeks before the surgery. One friend hooks me up with a job. The job ends up being, and I'll, I'll go into this story a little more detail in a future episode, but the job ends up being me working in a strip club. And uh, I become... I become the strip club king of South Florida, or one of the kings at least. Um, I made a tremendous amount of money in that business. I, I worked my way from the bottom job to the top job. I was, I was entrenched in that society, and um, you know, at some points, I'm making, you know, taking home maybe you know four hundred thousand dollars a year, and uh, just living an amazing life. I really during that time period, I grew as such a person because. There were so many people around me. I started to understand fundamentally how to treat people, how to get people to do things that I need them to do as a boss, how to get people to uh, buy into the program that we have, how to talk to people to make money. There were just so many things that I learned, and um, and I learned how to how to market and how to make cash. I mean, how to turn that those marketing ideas into money, and that was so integral for me moving forward, and it, it helped me future in future things I did in my life. But um, I spent a lot of time in that business. I left when I was probably 38, I, somewhere in there, I forget. I remember walking into the owner's office and saying that I'm going to quit. I'd like to put in my two-week notice. And he literally looked at me like I had seven heads. And he was like, wait, what? No one quits here. Everyone makes too much money to quit from here. Why, are, are you sick? Is something wrong with you? And I said, no, I just want to do something else in my life. He's like, really? He's like, I-, I think you should think about it. Maybe you're just emotional. And I said, no, I'm not emotional. We're not having an emotional conversation. I'm not upset with anybody here. I've been thinking about it for a while now, and I'd just like to do something else with my life. And he, was, he just couldn't wrap his head around the fact that I was making all that money, and I didn't want to continue to stay there and deal with that life, that life anymore. I wanted to do something different. And for a lot of people, that, that's hard for them because money is the motivator, of course, right? And as much as anybody wants to tell you money doesn't matter, the person who says that is full of crap because money matters to all of us and money does bring some level of happiness. And people could tell you something different, but they'd be, they'd be full of it. So I left that job. And again, we'll, in a future episode, we'll, we'll dive into that job a little bit because it's probably a fun story for some people out there. But um, it's probably a fun few episodes, actually, <laughs> of some really crazy stories. But, uh, and I promise, I promise I'll tell you some later. If you guys want to hear them, that would be great. I, and I'll, I'll promise I'll tell you some. But 
I leave that business and I decide to invest some money that I have into a lot of things, actually. So while I was in that business, I had also been smart with my money and I'd started to buy property in South Florida and I was flipping property. And it was, it was really a great time for me because I was able to, I was able to, 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 to buy property. And this was such a crazy time back then. You could buy property on the West Coast for $6,000. And this was like a parcel of land that was near nothing. Un- undeveloped land, no water, no electricity. $6,000. And weeks later, I mean weeks, two, maybe two weeks later, sell that same parcel of land for $12,000, $14,000, And then you could do it again. And then when the $6,000 parcels were gone, those $6,000 parcels were going for twelve. dollars Fourteen, fifteen, or sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars. Well, I would buy those, and I would sell those for thirty. So this was just an amazing thing that was going on. And of course, we now realize that when all those things were going on, that it was leading to a huge bubble, and it was only happening because the banks were greedy and and ripping everybody off. Basically, they were they were allowing everybody to get these loans that they couldn't afford. So people were using them like crazy. It was just insane. So during that time, now you got to remember at this time, I'm, I'm heavily invested in property. I leave my job. Like I'm not going to do that job anymore because I don't want to do it anymore. I want to do something else. I leave my job. Um, I'd already bought a restaurant. I owned a restaurant as well. Like a big, huge sports bar restaurants, like 8,000 square feet place was enormous. Um, and uh, actually, it was called Whiskey Tango. If you ever want to have some fun with this, you can look up Whiskey Tango in Hollywood, and you'll see me because I actually was on national television quite a few times for that place as well. Because we had um, we developed this program. I came up with this idea of of every time LeBron James, who had just signed with the Miami Heat, every time LeBron James and the Heat lose a game, we'll pay your tab, and um, <laughs> it was it was insane actually because. I think the Heat lost like seven of their first 11. <laughs> and uh, anyway, national news went crazy for it. And you can look it up. Again, that's probably a podcast all on its own by itself as well. But um, so I'm, I'm heavily invested in all this stuff. I'm heavily invested. Everything goes, goes I mean, goes to shit. I mean, it's, it's, it's a nightmare. Everybody's losing money out their, out their butt. And I can't figure out how to get out of it because at the time, I'm leveraged into condos. So I'm buying these condos at about, I'm putting like $40,000 down on condos. These condos were being pre-sold at 400000 But the exit price, the exit price, which was a year away, was going to be around six hundred to 700000 So for every condo that you could buy, you would be able to make two to $300,000 per condo. So I'm leveraged into 10 condos. You've only got to put 10% down in the beginning of every uh, for the pre-sale. And later on, what they would do is they would ask for another, an additional 10%. At that time, when you gave that 10%, you could flip your property out. So if I pay another 20, as soon as I paid that 20, I'm allowed to put my property up for sale. So you never need to hold title on this property. So you can hold it until the end. You can hold it until they, the property's done and they give you the title. Now, obviously, you're going to make more money that way. Or... You could, you could pay the 20 and they give you the opportunity to, f- to flip out. And in flipping out, you could make 150 for, for every condo. So again, I'm in the 10 condos. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I got about a half million dollars on the street right now. 
if I can hold on to what I'm doing and I have some money in the bank because I've got to make these these payments obviously coming up. If if I can hold on to what I'm doing, I'm going to clear $2 million out of here, no problem, and my life is going to be completely different with $2 million in the bank because when you have that kind of money, you've got a different kind of leverage in your life. So I'm thinking I'm going to have like $2 bucks in the bank. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to be a hero. Everyone's going to love me. I'm going to love me. Life is good. I look outside my, my house. I'm living in a house that I bought that was just too expensive. But I bought it to flip it, and I had some problem with the contractor. And uh, so I ended up living in the house. I'm like, I'll just move in there for a while. And uh, I'm living in like a 4,600-square-foot house. i got a Porsche in the driveway. I mean, I'm living a great life. And 2008 comes along, and I mean, just absolutely pulls the rug out from underneath me. Every one of those properties was now no, no longer even worth the 400000 that you originally bought it for or, or promised to buy it for. They were all worth two fifty, and the banks weren't giving mortgages anymore. So you may be able to qualify for a mortgage, but you couldn't qualify for all 10 mortgages anymore. So everything changed. So now in order for me to get those $400,000 properties, I had to work on the fact that these were, I'm buying them for four hundred. The bank will only lend me two fifty. So in order for me to get at least one condo, I've got to come up with another forty, and then I've got to come up with the rest of the money to to match after the two, after the what the bank will lend me. So another one fifty. So I'm looking at one hundred and ninety thousand dollars per condo to buy a condo that's only worth two fifty, and then I have a mortgage, and I had ten of them. So I was stuck. I literally needed to let $500,000 in cash just go away. Eh, sorry. Take it, guys. I just had to let it go. And it, it was terrible. And I had some other properties. The house itself was suddenly not worth anything. <coughs> Excuse me. It was a massive, 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 terrible, terrible thing that happened to me. It was a real kick in the balls because, you know, you go from making... I'm making $400,000 a year. I got a half million dollars on the street now. I'm going to make all this money. I've already quit the job. I can't go back to the job now. Um, I still had the restaurant, which started to struggle, so I had to rebrand the restaurant into something else. And then um, and I lost all the property, and I was stuck. But I, I got a way out of it. I mean, I figured out a way to get out of it. And it's, I mean, to me, it's genius. I, I, it's my idea, so it sounds really really asinine to call it genius, but to me it's genius because what I, just, what I found out was that everything I was doing, everything I was doing when you're trading properties, when you're buying properties and things like that, you're just doing it off of, uh, or you're buying stocks, whatever your investment is, you're only doing it based off of data. I mean, if you're doing it off of a hunch, you're just gambling. I mean, that's just the way it is, any business. I have a hunch people are going to want widgets, I have a hunch, hunch people are all going to want uh, electric toothbrushes. So I'm going to invest all my money in electric toothbrushes. Well, that's a, that's a weird hunch because one out of 86 people owns an electric toothbrush. So the odds aren't in your favor that everyone's going to suddenly flip over to electric toothbrushes. So anyway, I learned through the, through the process of doing all these things that the secret is always in the data. And I'm in my restaurant one day. And I'm talking to this guy in the sports bar. I'm talking to this guy, and he's, he's watching the game, and he's super, super excited. And I'm like, wow, man, you're really into this. He's like, yeah. 
I do this for a living. And I, I know the guy, and I know he's got a job. So I, I don't know why he's even telling me he's doing this for a living. And I go, what do you mean you're doing it for a living? He goes, yeah, I do this as an investment. This isn't, this isn't gambling for me. This is an investment. I was like, really? Explain to me what you're doing. He's like, well, if I like this team better than I like the other one, I, I bet on it. And then it's an investment. But I really know what I'm doing. So I'm like, well, that's not an investment. If you were investing, if you were truly investing in this, this team, you would go back and look at data for over the last seven, eight, ten years, and then you would have a, like a real reason why you're investing in this team. He said, ah, that's too much work. If you just pay attention, you can, you can understand the, the, the small trends that are happening. And I thought, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. But he doesn't have a bad idea here. I wonder, I wonder if this would work not just in practice, but in reality. Like in my head, it's working out. But So I spent the next couple of years just trying to figure it out, just trying to make it work, you know? And I, I, I got to be honest. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. First of all, you got to be able to find and find and source the data, which has become so much more easy in 2020 than it was in 2010. Let me tell you, there's so much sports data on the internet now, going back years and years and years. That this is just—it's actually simple. So there I was, trying to think of how I can take this idea. And turn it into a billion dollar idea, which is, you know, my mode back then. I was always in billion dollar idea mode. And um, by the way, none of them made a billion bucks. That's why I'm, I'm actually doing this podcast. <laughs> but a couple of them made millions, I'll tell you that. But none of them did a billion. If they did a billion, I'd be I, I'd probably on my own network on TV or something. Um, anyway, so in the beginning, I think the first year, you know, I, I lost money. The second year, I made a little bit of money. The third year, I made a little more money. By the fourth year, I really started to figure it out. And I know you're thinking, well, it took you four years to figure it out. Yeah, it took me four years to figure it out because I kept adding layers of what I was going to do. If I, if I were to, wanted to lie to you, I would say I just came up with this idea one weekend uh, you know, at my friend's condo. We were just sitting around having some drinks, and I just came up with the idea. Um, but that's not what happened. What happened was it was it was a labor of love. It took a few years. It took me some time. It took me some effort, a lot of effort. And I was able to figure out exactly how to use the, the data that is attached to every event that happens in sports. And I was able to master baseball. For baseball last year, I think our returns were 270%. Now, if you're a gambler out there and you, you're thinking to yourself, ah, 270% over the course of a year, that's nothing then you're just a gambler. That's what you are. You're, you're not in it for money. You are, but you're in it for that. You're in it for taking 1000 and turning it into 20000 And that doesn't happen very often. In fact, in fact, studies show that when, when somebody gambles, they usually gamble until they're out of money. That's how people gamble. So I want to say like 96% of all people gamble until they're out of money. So that's what gambling is. So since those four years that I took four years to develop it, I have never had a losing season since in any sport that I trade. Basketball, <coughs> excuse me, this year right before the pandemic, we were 178% um, over 
So you put, um, to put that in perspective, you put $100,000 in an account. When I'm done, I have $278,000. So that's a heck of an investment. It's a heck of an investment. For baseball last year, you put $100,000 in an account, you have $378,000 when you're done. Now, this is including your initial investment. I mean, this is, this is real stuff. And this is the stuff that I'm going to be talking about in this podcast. These are the things I want to talk to you guys about and try to teach people about because there is a world out there where you don't have to dip your toes in the stock market, where you don't have to worry about if it's going to be Donald Trump or Joe Biden president. Who cares? I mean, your friends on Facebook care. But other than that, who cares? It, won't, it, it, it may affect your stock market. It may affect your 401k. It may have an effect on currency. All those things could be true. It may affect every one of those things. It could affect pot stocks if one of them legalizes marijuana and one of them doesn't. But none of them are going to have any effect on the results of the game that's coming up. Any game. I, don't, I didn't even name which game it is because it doesn't matter. It won't make a difference. None of it will matter at, at all because your money will be in an, in an investment that cannot be correlated to anything else. In 2008, when everything went bad for me, when the, when the, when the, the shite hit the fan, that's English, by the way, for shit. When the shite hit the fan, when everything went terribly for me, and there was, I felt like, wow, this is a gosh darn nightmare. It was because when the housing market crashed, obviously I was in the housing market, but it also affected my portfolio. It also affected my actual businesses. It affected everything because as much as they tell you, if you diversify, you'll be fine. They're full of crap. When it goes down, and you know what? We've already seen waves in the market already. Waves that will most likely get even bigger as time goes on. Because, you know, this virus and the way it was handled and the way and, and the idea to, to shut down the whole country, and not, not, just, not just the United States, but the, this shutting down countries around the globe and having countries just borrow billions and billions of fake money that isn't even real, just printing money. The value of, of money is going to go down. I mean, we are in a we are in a, a situation where things could get bad, and if you're in the markets, you're you're going to have to ride that wave. You're going to have to ride it, and it's going to be tough. And if you own a stock, and there are no buyers, and you're a seller, you're going to be in trouble. And your value of your stock will go down. Now, for me. I'll be totally honest about everything. When they did the shutdown and the seasons all stopped, baseball stopped, basketball, full stop, NCAA basketball, full stop, my markets closed and my potential to make money had ceased. But my potential to lose money also ceased. I went directly to a cash position I had money to do whatever I wanted to with it. If I wanted to take the money out of there, put it somewhere else to invest it, I could do that. 
If I needed money to do something, I could do that. 2008 was not like that for me. 2008 was a, a shuffling nightmare of trying to figure out, oh, wow, I've only got $80,000 left, and I've got to pay $680,000 in, in what I'm going to owe. I was, I, was, I was overextended, which is my fault. My fault. I, I extended myself too far on some of these things. But I never saw, I never saw that crash coming. I never saw that, those ripple effects. I didn't understand that what they were doing with the mortgages. And that's not, that's not totally true. I understood what they were doing because I'd, saw, I'd seen people who I knew couldn't afford $487,000 houses buying them. But I didn't understand the ramifications of the effect that they were doing this nationwide everywhere. I truly thought it was a South Florida thing because the scruple level down there is like minimal. Like no one's got any scruples for anything. So all of that brings us to where we are today. And I feel like there's some interesting stories in there along with some interesting lessons that I could teach you in this podcast. So where, where does that leave us now? Well, it leaves us in a lot of places. It leaves us right here, first of all. And it also leaves us where... I'm going to tell you that, um, again, I'm the sports trader, and I have a website called sportstradingsystems.com. That system's with an S. You can go there and check it out. You can sign up for our newsletter. You can get cool stuff sent to your email all the time, which we're happy to do for you. (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry about that. There's a mute button, but I didn't know where it was, and now I hit it. And... um, and on that site, you'll see lots of cool stuff. Now, I'm not trying to sell you anything today. I just want you to be a part of what we're doing. I want you to be a part of the community. I would love to be able to impart some of this knowledge on people. It's what I truly want to do. This has been life-changing for me. And I know you could probably hear my voice when I talk about 2008 and 2009, the stress and the anxiety and what happened. And, and, the, and, and not just to me, but the people around me. I mean, it was nightmarish to watch what was going on around people. And I feel like that's coming up here too, soon. And if it's not coming up now, it will, come, it will come eventually. You know, there's a moratorium on paying rent now. There's a moratorium on, on paying your mortgages. Like, how are these people surviving not getting in the money that they're supposed to be getting? Going to be a lot, of, a lot of things happening in the future that could really hurt a lot of people. And I don't want to be negative. I don't want to be negative in this podcast. I want to be positive. I want to talk about some good things. So I brought it up so you understand where the reasoning comes from, why I would think of something like this, where it would come from. I like people to understand I'm not a, de- I'm not a degenerate gambler. I don't gamble on anything. Every once in a while, I'll, be, I'll hang out with a friend. We'll play some PlayStation. And uh, yes, I'm almost 50 and I play PlayStation. I'll play some PlayStation with a friend and I might bet him dinner over who's going to win. That's the extent of my gambling. I do invest in sports. I don't ever do what, what people do when they gamble. I don't go to casinos. It's just not me. I love money. I love smart investments. I love being able to, to invest in things that I understand. Um, and I don't have to understand the industry. I just have to understand the, the numbers. The data needs to make sense to me. I need to see a clear path to where if I invest in A, by the time I get to B, I'm going to make money. And I could do that with sports trading. And for me, like I said, it's been an incredible thing. So I would like all of you to go over and check out my website. 
join the mailing list. Inside the mailing list, I send out a newsletter a couple times a week that teaches you about sports trading. Now, today's a Friday. I did this show purposely on a Friday, give myself the weekend. And the idea is I'm going to start doing this show Fridays, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Friday. I'm going to force myself to sit here for an hour, hour, uh, three days a week. And we're just going to talk sports trading. Eventually, I'll bring on some callers, things like that, because, you know, I'm cool like that. Plus, I got some, I bought this really cool soundboard that does lots of cool stuff. So, just sitting in a condo, having some fun, man. I hope, hopefully, you guys will join up with me and enjoy what we're doing and become part of the sports trading environment. Well, I guess that's it for today. I'm going to sign off. Again, my name is John Tedora. The website is sportstradingsystems.com. Go check it out. Join the mailing list. Send me an email. Let me know what you guys are thinking about it, man. I would love to hear your feedback about the show or about anything you want to know about sports trading. I'm here. Talk soon.